My name is Rob Auchincloss, and this is the Holocene Podcast, where we seek knowledge from those creative, adventurous, and bright among us. These individuals are storytellers, entrepreneurs, athletes, designers, and everything else in between. It is my job as the host to take what they've each learned in their own lives and codify their knowledge so that you can use their lessons in your own life. In this episode, I am joined by none other than Heath Goldman. Heath Goldman currently works for the Food Network and has been a friend of mine for many years and is someone that understands food and culinary arts and the beauty that is the creation and happiness of food more than most people on this planet that I am aware of. And in this wide-ranging conversation, we talk about everything from finding joy to truly following your passion to the most cliche things about the entire food world. Without further ado, here's the conversation between myself and Heath Goldman. Life is either an incredible adventure or it's nothing at all. All right, Heath, thanks for coming on my show. Thanks for having me. So uh, what is the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning? Do I have to get out of bed right now? <laughs> and am I going to go on a run this morning? How often do you run? Um, in my dream world, it's like probably every other day. But I'm dealing with a knee injury right now. So I haven't been running since last spring. And is that from overexertion or did something happen? Yeah, overexertion. I think it was marathon training 2019. And how many marathons something. have you ran? Only one. Only one. New York, but right? New York marathon. Cool. A bunch of half marathons also. Yeah. And hope to do another marathon when marathons are back happening again. To be fair, I think they should be a thing, but that's just my personal opinion. Marathons? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, guess there's a lot of exertion of the mouth. Yeah. Right. I think as soon as people are allowed to go back to concerts, marathons will be allowed again. Okay. I understand. That makes sense. Yeah. I think concerts will be last, to be honest. I know. It's just a lot of people jumping and shouting and, and sweating spreading their and air particles everywhere. <laughs> spread it. All right. Um, so rather than me introduce you, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and what you do, but I'm going to ask it via question. Okay. How would you describe the work you do now to your eight-year-old eight year self? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I make things. So I make recipes, I make illustrations, and I make articles. So I would describe myself as an inventor and a creative person. Um, my actual full-time job is a culinary editor. So that means that I basically play around with food and come up with recipes that look super beautiful and will make you feel hungry. And um, that's something that my younger self would have liked because it's basically, it's playing with food, making crazy creations that aren't just, you know, a baked chicken recipe, but it's a big chicken recipe stuffed inside something else, stuffed inside something else, or a over-the-top dessert that you might see in Candyland. Um, and then on the side of that full-time job at Food Network, I basically create illustrations where I paint and draw pictures for people's cookbooks or restaurants or wedding invitations 
Um, my five-year-old self would be very happy about that because I had a drawing table when I was five and loved drawing and that's something I still love doing today. So I would say five-year-old self, don't worry about where you're going to end up because you're going to end up doing something that you really like all day long. And there's, there's a lot to unpack there, but the biggest thing I want to unpack is drawing something that you've done pretty much constantly or did you like stop it at a certain point in time something that i've done pretty much constantly and it's something that i've always loved and never really felt like i have to do so there's certain things that in my life i've gone through phases doing like writing poetry in high school i was really into it i would carry around a notebook and um after high school i just never really had any desire to do it again i think i kind of burnt out on it and i i've done that with other things in my life i've done activities very intensely and then um, stop being interested because I just kind of did it, did them too much. But drawing is something that's always been there for me. And I always just love doing it. So I think, I think it's in large part, thanks to my parents who just gave us art tables literally when we were younger. Um, do, do you, so you have, you have two sisters. Do any of them draw as well? Yes. Both of them draw. My parents actually met in art class yeah. And my dad at Williams at Williams name plug. <laughs> my dad hit on my mom by telling her that he liked the tractor that she was painting <laughs> because he was from Nebraska. Way to go, Dan. <laughs> so I feel like that was the root of our creative upbringing. And, and for the record, so Williams is a small liberal arts college in rural Massachusetts, Williamstown, Massachusetts, actually. And um, it's where my father went, it's where my stepmother went, it's where my stepsister went, and it's where Heath and her entire family went. Yeah, it's a cool place. It's an ancestral place, but <laughs> it's a great place. <laughs> and, and the best kind of way possible because it's, it's a school that for the aspects of what you can study there is probably top five in the country. Yeah, great art program. Yeah. It's also in the middle of the mountains, which I love. So it's an incredible academic institution. And then they bring in really really smart people so it's in the middle of nowhere but you get a ton of really smart intellectual people coming and really college. really uh niche cute town could you give me just quickly we're on like four tangents is great what are your what, if, if someone's visiting williamstown what is your favorite place to eat there meze which is a I've been there yeah, it's great farm to yeah farm to table restaurant in this cute little old house and they get all their food from you know dairy barn down the road and it's prepared super well it's always the place that kids go with their parents and their parents come into town to visit them it's the nice yeah, restaurant because it's the place they can't afford with yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> um and then so you went to williams and you studied english and studio art right yeah the right okay but you ended up going to culinary school after you graduated yes was it right away or what was that decision process like and did you know did you know when you were going through college that this is something you wanted to do yeah so that's a great question when I was going through college, I always knew that I wanted to be a writer in some capacity. And so I had a bunch of summer internships where I interned in different types of journalism. I interned at Vanity Fair and Fashion, Thomson Reuters in financial commentary, the Greenwich Time newspaper, just straight up news reporting. And I had this um, mentor who basically, her name is Bethany McLean and she is a author. And she was like, when you're applying to jobs, people don't want to just hear that you want to write. You should be passionate about something and want to write about something. And I was like, oh, that's such a good point. <laughs> Writing is a tool and I should want to be saying something with it. And simultaneously in college, I worked at a bakery in Williamstown and I had a fantastic boss there who was a really great teacher. And um, 
it was one of my most favorite things that I did in college. So I was like, it would be super cool to combine food and writing. I love reading the New York Times Dunning section. Melissa Clark is my favorite person ever. Wouldn't it be so cool to be her? So out of college, I landed a job as the editorial assistant at Real Simple Magazine, where I worked in the food department and basically was like a glorified secretary um <laughs> which was lovely De- very yeah. devil's wears that's when we met very devil wears Prada but yeah. um I realized that to go far in this world I had to become an expert right people would have to listen to me and trust what I'm saying so um again another mentor who I worked with was like it's not a question of if you will go to culinary school it's a question of when if you want to really succeed in this field and obviously that's something that I always want to do become the best in what I do so I went to the French Culinary Institute, which then became named the International Culinary Center, which was then sadly just bought by another culinary school in New York during COVID. Um, But great, great place. A lot of famous chefs went there and I went at night after work. So it was about a year and a half into working at Real Simple. I started going to culinary school at night Um, and I think it really gave me the knowledge and tools I needed in order to become an expert and be able to write about food. Yeah. And also name drop time. You also work for some pretty legendary restaurants in New York city and around there. Indeed. Yeah. Um, I stodged at Liberty Den, which is incredible through a, I got the hookup through a friend. Um, but it was one of the coolest places to ever shout out Chelsea (laughs) be in the kitchen of, um, and also I realized that I would never want to work in restaurants full time. Yeah. I definitely wanted to use my cooking to inform my writing and my recipe development. Um, sort of a slower pace. And the then from kitchen. real simple, you went to pure wow. Yes. Exactly. Which is just like all online, right? Yep. Um, there was a lot of pressure, um, in the, cause I real simple, I was on the print side and there was a lot of pressure that people should learn a lot of digital skills because print is a beast of the past or that was the feeling there at least um so I was like I really really need to get some digital knowledge like learn how SEO works so I went over to Pure Wow which is a women's lifestyle website and built out their food department there which I think was a really good experience for me because um magazines are very traditional and you're kind of you kind of speak when you're spoken to especially in lower positions although I did climb up the rungs of it the editorial world there it was very much like I was not a leader and it was great to come into my own at Pure Wow where I was the head of the food department and could start up initiatives of my own and create a test kitchen it just gave me a lot of self-confidence because um I was the one thinking of the ideas and I think that that was what gave me the confidence to see this job at Food Network that was open and be like I can do that and apply to it and I was like this is the job that I need to get this is my dream job. Yeah. And I remember I remember talking to you. We had long phone calls at each juncture, I think. Yeah. Because you always, for some reason, you always ask for my advice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't, I don't think I can help you because I don't know, I don't know that uh, world. But I think, I think the first time I was like, well, it makes sense because I mean, thinking now with COVID, like if you were still real simple, you probably wouldn't have a job anymore. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Yeah. I mean, it could have. There were, lo- there were endless layoffs happening at timing when I was there. So, and there's also like endless drama. It seems like an editorial world, which yes, no one wants to be a part of. Not at all. Yeah. And then now at Food Network, you seem blissed. Yeah. The people there are just great. I feel like they're just my people. I found my people. Everyone's yeah. 
everyone who's just really, really, really smart and and pulls their weight and and is interesting and funny and like down to earth and nice. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I've never really felt fully that way anywhere else I've worked. Um So what is next at Food Network then? Um, I mean, hopefully I'll work there and and work my way up the uh, ranks there. That's my dream and continue to build out my illustration business on the side. I have a my first illustrated cookbook coming out on November 10th. Plug for that. It's called The Book of Pi- Book on Pie by Aaron McDowell. Yep, and that book was lovely. linked below uh, cuz this podcast will come out after that book comes out, so I'll be sure to make sure that everyone checks it out. Yeah, and I have a few other cookbooks that I'm working on right now as well. And the business kind of keeps expanding word of mouth, which is great. So I hope to continue to do that. And yeah, I was about to ask, I was like, that seems like a very niche thing to find clientele. And so I was about to ask, like, how did you find your first? Yeah, so I worked with Erin at PureWow, actually. And she is an incredible dessert recipe developer. And while I was working for her, her career kind of took off. She was... And this is Erin who? Erin McDowell. McDowell. Yeah. Yeah. So she was working at Food 52 and doing stuff for PureWow and King Arthur Flower. But now she is one of the main dessert contributors to the New York Times. And I also brought her over to Food Network. So now she's in a lot of Food Network stuff. And so... um, she is one of those great people who just lifts up her friends and knew that I liked illustrations yeah. and she likes illustrations. So that's how we work together on that. And then I just found that when, if you have a skill that other people can't really comprehend doing like illustration or in your case, photography, yeah. people are, there's always a need for that. Yes. Um, and I have gotten more work than I can sometimes handle. It's just like, People will tell people that they know someone who's an illustrator and the yeah. food world's pretty small. So Yeah, it is. I mean, this this all seems to trend in one direction, which is eventually Heath will make her own book. I mean, that would be a dream for sure. <laughs> or a blog. Yeah, I mean, is, a cookbook yeah. would be a dream for yeah. sure down the road someday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I feel like it could go in a number of directions and I've always been super goal-oriented, but yeah. now I'm kind of just... You're enjoying open to the, the journey, idea of like. seeing where yeah. I'm taken a little bit. This is the first time in a while you seem zen. <laughs> Usually you're like, what's next? I'm, and you just seem like enjoying this journey. For yeah. sure. Yeah, for sure. And things are really kind of moving forward. It's just like you, so you're, you're chugging ahead at, at Food Network. You have your own private stuff. We wouldn't really call it private. Your, your illustration stuff. You just got engaged. Congrats on that. Thank you. Yeah. So so all of it's coming to like this this beautiful culmination. And I think it's just like it's exciting when that stuff starts running together. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I feel like I've always worked my ass off my whole life, like kicked really hard underneath the water. And finally things are just kind of um bearing fruit now. Like the fruits of my I'm harvesting the fruits of my labors and they're all and I feel a little like propelled along right now, which is nice. Yeah. But that's that's not a coincidence. It's because I, I have worked very hard to get here. Yeah. Um, I think that goes along with one of my favorite sayings, which is um, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Yes. And because I think a lot of people say like, oh, they're just lucky. And I'm like, no, most people that I know that other people consider to be lucky, which I'm sure you are. I'm sure many people look at you and are like, wow, you've been really lucky. It's just like, I think we all know that you were just prepared and ready for the opportunity. And also like each of these opportunities you've had that have set you up for success, you went out and got. 
no one no, no, no one's just like yeah hey heath you want this job like that not at all <laughs> especially in editorial it doesn't work that way yeah not at all yeah for sure you have to beg and plead at one point <laughs> to get small, in somewhere it's a small field but yeah um yeah tbd i think i want to stay in editorial but you know if something else comes along that i've never thought of totally open to that as well and speaking of your current job is there anyone at work that you particularly look up to on a day-to-day basis um I would say one of my good friends, Dana Beninati, is a total inspiration to me. She heads up the culinary team on our new direct-to-consumer streaming platform, and she's just like a total boss lady. Not that much older than I am, but she's the type of person who you meet and you think she's older than you because she's in such a position of power and she's so articulate and accomplished. And she's a great chef and one of the most like coolest social, most outgoing people I've ever met and also is a sommelier. And I'm like, you are such an inspiration. She's a a boss, not to me, but to other people. And she's a great boss. Sounds lovely. Yeah. Um, So to kind of take it back a little bit, you talked about how you got into drawing, but do you remember like the first time you really got into food and cooking? I think um, in end of high school, I got into baking and that was when I tried. So I tried to get a job at St. Moritz Bakery, which is in Greenwich and it's yeah. my favorite bakery in the whole world. And they were like, you don't have any experience. You can't work here. And I was so sad. <laughs> and that was when I went to college and I was like, I will work in a bakery. And so yeah. that summer I spent the summer creating my own dessert recipes and photographing them. And I brought them in a binder to the bakery and was like, I love this so much. These are my creations. I have this experience. Please hire me. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and you learned so that was when yeah and i that was cool because i'd only ever baked on a home scale and i learned like professional cooking and baking is so much different than home baking you know like you're weighing out pounds of butter i remember once i think i used salt instead of sugar and it was like for 70 pounds of cookie dough they all had salt instead of sugar and i was my boss was like so mad at me, but he was really nice about it. I just lost all this money, but like that's the type of mistake that you learn from, and you're like totally. It's, I'll it seems like a good again. place to learn through fire and and like make the mistakes once. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Make the mistakes once and never make them again. And real, I feel like there I learned that some something like a really good cookie or a good article or a good recipe is kind of the sum of small little things that you do right. Yes. I like that. Well, what is what is the idea? It's like if you're the kind of person that folds very specifically their socks, then you'll like baking, right? Yes. Well, that's definitely that is definitely me. Although it's funny, I like cooking now more better, just probably because I have to cook all my meals yeah. for myself. <laughs> any any books in baking or cooking that you particularly like utilize as a bible? Um, I definitely use Aaron McDowell's first cookbook a lot. Um cooking though i use i really like sarah copeland her books are incredible she has a number of them i like diana henry's cookbooks also i guess i'm naming authors because they have a number of cookbooks and i'll just list everything that we talk about um i also have an extensive cookbook collection but then often will turn to recipes online (laughs) because i like reading reviews like many people but i love epicurious recipes love their reviews, love the kitchen yep. as well. 
Yeah. Anytime I have a question, whether dumb or like looking for recipe, I always go to you and you never have let me know. This is true. You will emergency text me about very specific <laughs> things you're making. <laughs> like hyper specific, like Rob definitely <laughs> fucked this up. Like something, I feel like the last thing was a big, something with baked potatoes or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I mean, no. So Hasselback potatoes. Maybe that's you, you what just, That was a while ago. I'm pretty sure I asked you some dumb question about chicken. It and might I, have been. And, I, and I, this is the next question, which is that... Um, is there a particular question you were asked more often than not about food or cooking that just drives you crazy? What is your favorite thing to cook? Oh boy. I haven't asked that yet. Have I? No, you haven't. Okay, good. No. I'm not going to. Um, yeah, that's just because I feel like that people ask that who don't cook themselves because yeah. I like to cook many different things. I don't have one favorite thing yeah. that I'm like, also, what does that even mean? Is it your, you enjoy the process of cooking it the most or you enjoy it? eating the yeah. most or you enjoy it serving to other people the most there are yeah. many different layers there's so many layers and, and variables so there. I'm, I'm usually like and I, type of year and I time like of day i like to try different things <laughs> yeah you should just respond by saying food yeah i know that's a good that's a good point yeah, yeah. It's, it's similar to how you know when tim ferris what you know people ask him like what do you do he says he's a drug dealer it's like pretty much like a conversation ender right yeah. so your idea should be like what do you what, what, what do you need to cook it's like food Food. I like food. And then everyone will be like, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> Which is not not always a bad thing. But I, I feel like that's the first question. You're like, oh, you work for the Food Network? Like, What's your favorite thing to cook? What's your favorite thing to cook? Um, and and I can see how that drives you crazy. Because for work, I am usually assigned things to cook. Or yeah. I think of ideas of what I will make, which is usually based on the season. And often it's very service driven. So yeah. Right now, people want very budget-friendly recipes. So it's like, let's make soups that cost $5. Yeah, And so sure. I do like to think about recipes that I have two sides. One of them is the crazy social food. So the stuff that you see on Instagram late at night, I yep. do think of some of that. So like the crazy cakes, that's part of my job. Mm -hmm. But the part that I do like is recipes that give people really good solutions to problems that they have yeah i'm sorry i just i just thought about this like trend that happened mid-covid pandemic when everything was made of cake you <laughs> know what i'm talking about right wait but I'm, like th there were these crazy like i don't know what to is, is, do i call them a baker or is it a chef is it the same thing pastry For, chef pastry chef but they would make these things that look real but they'd actually be cakes oh yeah I know and so everyone's just about. like everything is made of cake Aaron will know. Um, but I, I guess going off that, it's just this idea that is there a question that you wish people asked you? Ooh, um, or I guess a question you love answering is, yeah, is, yeah, a, yeah. is the same thing. I guess I like talking about food trends and where food is going. I like talking about meat, good meals that I've eaten recently. Yeah. Um, I also All right, like, let's put it to practice. I also, one second, I also like talking to people about what they're cooking. Okay. Because often I like I'm trying to be the one who's figuring out the next trend. So I'm yeah. always interested in hearing like, oh, at this point in quarantine, you're sick of making sourdough and you're on to X thing. Or yeah. like... I'm on to bison tenderloin personally, so, <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> Where do you get that? Seattle. <laughs> The place, the place two blocks away has the it. The local grocery store. Yeah, they sell bison tenderloin. There's bison ribeye and there's round bison. Bison burgers. Yeah, those yeah, are good. I make that a lot. Um, So going off that, um, I guess three questions for you. 
when you're at work, do you like, which one do you prefer as a kind of day-to-day if someone assigns you something or if you get to go off and sandbox land? I think my favorite thing is our pitch meetings that we have where I'll have an idea and then someone else will like it, but then they'll build on it and make it yeah. even better. And that's what I like working about working at a publication that is filled with really smart food people as yeah. opposed to being the one food person at a lifestyle place <laughs> because key difference you can make, um, you can make your ideas even better when you collaborate on them. Um, and that's why I like being in the chess kitchen also because people will taste your food and be like, it could be so much better if we just added a tablespoon of vinegar here. Yeah. Yeah. And then where do you see food trends heading right now? I think that um, home cook trends are definitely moving towards healthy and also affordable because yeah. everyone's strapped for money right now. Um, healthy, affordable, fast. I think people are a little sick of cooking a lot totally. because everyone's making all their meals at home. Um, and also more plant-based. I've been seeing more and more products that are half plant, half meat. Um, sausages that are half plant, half meat. Burgers that are half plant, half meat. Um, in a way that's like not stigmatized or confined to a certain diet. It's more mainstream. No, I'm going to ask a dumb question, but isn't a burger like a standard burger already half plant, half meat. Um, like the burger and the cheese, I guess you're using cheese. I guess meat and the rest I, plant. I guess like replacing the ratio of what would be ground meat with some, Oh, like a mixture. Yeah. Okay. So instead of being all ground beef, you might have some, um, mushrooms replacing yeah. like cremini mushrooms. That sounds amazing. What are your thoughts on the companies like uh, Impossible Foods or Beyond Meat? Do you, have you tried cooking with them? Yeah, we made, um, so I think, some Impossible sausages the other day. Yeah. And we did a side-by-side taste test, just Isaiah and I did this with some friends. Impossible, impossible to tell which ones were the plant-based ones and which ones were the non-plant-based ones. I think because sausages are so spiced anyway that yeah. they just had great spices. Um. I mean, I'm into the idea for at least I'm not a I'm not an enormous expert on the environmental impact, but I, I my understanding that they're making a smaller footprint than meat is. So I'm, yeah. I'm for that. I don't necessarily know if they are You're not wrong. Healthier. Um They're not. They're definitely <laughs> processed, but um yeah. I've heard podcasts with the founders saying that all food is processed, meat is processed. Two processing yeah. facilities so their the argument is like why are why is everyone so freaked out about the process aspect well, i think not to interrupt but the the point that i get caught up on is that exact point compared to the average meat that the average american buys in a grocery store they're right but i think you or i when when i go to buy meat i'm usually going to some place where it's like it was usually it's usually a butcher or someone that knows what they're doing and it's that's not processed right that's coming from the animal the animal yeah right. exactly um and then beyond that so the next question i have is like i spend a lot of time researching on nutrition and fasting and like all the other aspects of things like how into the nutritional side of things are are you, is it something that's growing or decreasing or you mean my own personal knowledge or your own personal knowledge but also like how that is coming into more and more every day about the recipes, right? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, my understanding is that people definitely care about nutrition. I think that what I've seen at least, because we have a lot of metrics with mm-hmm. digital publishing, is that people either want food that's 
you know, they think is pretty healthy or they want something that's extremely unhealthy. You know, it's like yeah. when you're going unhealthy, you might as well go all in. For sure. Um, yeah. At Food Network, we don't really give nutritional data. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's something that our readers are as focused on. But I don't really like want to necessarily speak for the brand. But that's just an observation I've had. At Pure Wow, the readership was very, very, very health focused. And we gave nutritional information on yeah. everything. So you're talking about like um, calories, micros, macros, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, fat. like. Yeah. But um, macros. Yeah. I generally think health is everything's trending towards absolutely yeah for for the people and for the planet yeah personally i would love to see you see what you could do with some keto stuff because i've been playing around with a lot of oh yeah we definitely do that keto recipes always perform very well yeah that's for sure a big thing yeah it's it's something during a lot of food network has a lot of keto recipes oh yeah and and I've, i've used some of them myself because um during quarantine i like spent a month doing every single diet to see which one like felt the best and i've never felt more like just alive Energized, one, yeah. on, on like 90 percent fat i eat a lot wow. of walnuts i do love walnuts i like nuts also yeah snacking on nuts yeah um yeah i feel like personally i just try to eat a lot of veggies we just isaiah just came in with our csa yep. that we get from her fiance farm. the record yeah yes my fiance and um just like trying to eat mo- like a ton of veggies and then some meat but yep some fun stuff you got it's always a balance yeah for sure and i think going off of that um where are we going to next um if someone was considering going to culinary school yes what is the first thing they should consider um i would say cost it's pretty expensive and i would say what do you want to get out of it so if your goal is to be in the restaurant industry, I always recommend trying to get a job at a restaurant. First, see if you like it. And see if you like it because because it's pretty expensive and you don't really make that much money as a chef or cook. No. So you definitely have to weigh the benefit that you'll actually get out of it. If you have the means to go, I say by all means you should. But there are a lot of different culinary schools out there and you should go to one that's meant for professional cooks because a lot of them are just like fun and fluffy and you want to get legitimate training, I would say. So you would want to go to a professional culinary school, they're called, or culinary program. Yeah. Yeah. Like the one you went to. Exactly. Which is very well known. Yes. Except now it's out of business (laughs) during COVID. What? Do you know who bought it? Yes. It was bought by... um, ice which is the other big culinary school yeah. and they are down in fidei cool other big culinary school in new york city so just, it just became like a secondary campus for them is that what's happening so i think that they it just their professors their chef instructors are moving over to the other campus i think it's because icc where i went yeah they had a beautiful enormous building in in um soho which yep. they didn't own and i think the rent was probably just too expensive uh, obscene, yeah yeah, yeah. I've, believe, I've seen it before it's a beautiful building they didn't own it but yeah yeah no i mean i i spent some when we first met i was spending time down retail in soho uh like retail strategy and i was just alarmed at how expensive the rent is down there i know it's crazy it's terrifying yeah. some of the places aren't that bad though like I, there there's some there's some people that like the the pop-up shops in the holidays that come in they get destroyed with rent but then oh, there God. are some of them that get really good deals because they get like for some reason like uh prince and mott like is a really poor corner so like huh. the rent there is like 20 percent of one block away and like that's crazy prince and elizabeth yeah yeah 
Um, which we're talking gibberish to anyone that isn't from it's New York. York yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so going off of that, um, and I guess the question that, because I get asked this question all the time, and and not in terms of what I'm about to phrase it, but yes, the intro question where it's like someone's just like, you know, you seem like someone that is really into cooking. Like, what if I want to get more into cooking? You know, like that that kind of basic question you might get asked every once in a while. Like, what yeah. do you recommend that people do if they want to? take their i would say like average american culinary ability which is probably poor uh-huh into something that is just like would amaze the people at home and people around them if they were to get there Ooh, that is a very good question um i think a number of things i think that it can be useful to take a one-off knife skills class at a, mm. at a culinary school if there is one near you yeah. or a Williams Sonoma type place yeah. and and people do offer knife skills and I think knife skills are one of the things if you have good knife skills you start becoming a lot faster at prepping everything and it could be like a one-time thing yep. for you could get it as a gift give it as a gift to your yep. partner a fun thing to do together mm-hmm. so I think that's one thing um Another thing I think is just cooking more and looking up recipes more on reputable sites. I hate to say this, but you know, you Google chicken Milanese, a lot of blog recipes are going to come up and, and kind of the difference between a blog recipe and a recipe at a bigger site like Food Network or the New York Times or Epicurious or Bon Appetit or any of these like big publications is that their recipes are tested and blog ones (laughs) often aren't. So they might not work. There's a lot of science behind recipes at a big publication Hmm. and so you'll start to notice i feel like one of the coolest parts of cooking a lot is you'll start to notice that recipes have patterns so like a lot of soups are made the same way you know a lot of meats are made the same way a lot of braise braises are always made the same way you know you brown it first and then you brown your aromatics and then you put in liquid and then you cook it in the oven at a low heat and like you realize that they're kind of just building blocks that make up recipes yeah so you can kind of start riffing yourself but back to the original question, just getting in the kitchen and I would say like following a recipe to a T mm-hmm. is a good way because you kind of, it'll walk you through how to prepare that specific type yeah. of food. Watching cooking shows, I think even yeah. where like people talk about the science of what's happening. I, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people I know got into cooking that way. I personally didn't really grow up watching cooking shows that much but yeah. people who did like you know they know how to cut an onion because they've seen it done a million times for sure but they can they cut it well and, and quickly and how and you would say is like that's proper. just like a matter of practice i for guess sure. yeah youtube yeah i got i got super sharp knives the first time like earlier this year and it was a, an amazing difference what knives uh shin shun oh yeah those are nice yeah <laughs> I, I, i've literally it was one of those things that i was a kid my mom my mom is really big into cooking last night she made uh, brick chicken for the first time it's really Ooh. good yeah yum never had it she's like there's that. a brick sitting on the kitchen table it's like mom what is this for she's like i'm making brick chicken she literally made it with a brick yeah she oh wow with an actual brick i've never made it with a brick yeah she's like i, I my friend at work i asked any bricks they brought oh my me God, a brick so and so i walk in the kitchen and i just i see this uh this like la crusette pot with chicken at the bottom and there's just a brick wrapped in tinfoil just like smashing oh my god wow <laughs> i love chicken under a brick yeah it's, it, it tasted amazing yeah. so mom was like i gonna make this again i was like please do um going off that the reason why i bought those knives because they're not cheap like i have i have three knives i have an eight inch chef's knife a six inch chef's knife and a four inch paring knife yeah and which i consider to be like the if i would buy three knives first i just told like those are the three i want 
The fourth, I want. I really want a bread knife because I keep like. It's, oh yeah, it's a serrated stuff, knife. It's like, yes, a serrated knife. Those yeah. are so inexpensive, also. They are, but the problem is my OCD. A long one. You need a long one. And my OCD needs it to be the same exact shun sh- knives. No, no, just get one from a kitchen supply store. Also, no. you can't really sharpen them that well, so it's, no, yeah, it's not like it's the type of thing that people might replace. Totally. And, and and beyond that, so the two things I want to get to is like, I always saw them and I loved the the grain detail in the Japanese yeah. knives. I'm also obsessed with Japanese culture as I'm a, I'm a Japanophile, as they say. And, um, and I'm also terrified I'm going to lose a hand every time I use them because they yeah. are so sharp. Yeah. <laughs> they are so sharp. I mean, I feel like Japanese food culture is very cool because everyone's very intentional about everything. Oh, yeah. Every part of the food. Have you been there? No, that's my number one spot that I want to go. Sounds like a honeymoon. I mean, TBD when, whenever we get married. Yeah. Um, so I was actually in Japan last December. I was there solo during Christmas and New Year's. Uh-huh. I was actually in Korea during New Year's. But um, I've always loved... It's kind of hard not to like Japanese food. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's I... like if you don't like fish or <laughs> rice or beef or broth or deliciousness or sugar, they have really good candy too. That's the most underrated thing is you Japanese dessert and candy is insane um uh yeah they they, my favorite thing ever i'm bummed i they didn't last enough for me to because i ate most of them and gave the rest away but they do a a melon mascarpone kit kat bar and it's insane that sounds so good it was it's it's insane yeah and there's like 24 flavors of kit kat in japan oh yeah speaking there's like there's like four matcha flavors there's (laughs) like two melon flavors that's what i always we isaiah and i whenever we um travel we always bring if we're just traveling solo you bring back candy. oh yeah yeah Yeah, it was weird it's like i so i'm on this trip i did i was in japan i was in uh korea i was in sweden and finland and i brought candy from each place and like those are the best gummy candy yeah yeah and so i brought back like a ton of licorice and gummy candy but the thing is it's just like everyone was like this is great and then people who knew saw that i had like japanese kit kats and they would like (laughs) drop i I had two people at work they were like willing to pay me they were like can i pay you for those like no these are for my mom like oh my god um going off of that uh are there any i don't know if you went on eight adventures during covid or not but like food adventures no i'm talking about like travel well and food and travel that's what i'm gonna talk about next it's just like when you travel, how do you pick out places to eat? Oh, yeah. Good question. Um, I usually have a network of people who I will ask, like, yeah. where's the place to go? But then... Because that's where the money is. Like, if you can make a blog where you tell people where to eat when they travel. Yeah, that's true. And then I just do a lot of research online. Like, I always look at Eater and yeah. um, the Times often has travel guides. Do you have an opinion on the infatuation? Um, I think it's useful. Yeah. I, I have food friends who think it's basic, but... It's gotten basic, I think. I think that um, it's a useful benchmark. I feel like yeah. I'm one of those people who, if I order from Seamless, I don't just look at the Seamless review. I look at the Yelp review and yeah. I look at... So I feel like it's a useful cross-check mm-hmm. um, that I'll use. And that's actually a great question. I think that most people use Yelp incorrectly. How so? Because if you look at... If, if you pick by best rated right yeah then you start getting things like olive garden times square bubba gum shrimp company oh, and like in new york it levels out yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so the thing my question is like when you're looking for places on yelp like how do you different because i think the biggest thing i've learned is that some of the best places i've been to have like three or four stars on yelp because it was like someone was like i ordered a 40 dollar piece of sushi and it was just like two pieces and i was like to me that's like the best thing I ever put in my mouth but to them it's like i yeah. only got two pieces i normally don't try to find restaurants on yelp i normally yeah, use smart. it as a cross check got it 
Yeah. To make sure there's not like a rat running through the kitchen exactly. or something crazy. Right? Like I, yeah, I'll normally, I actually really like Grub Street does new openings. Grub Street, yeah. They'll just do a listing. It'll just be like a line of new opened restaurants. And yeah. so I usually will look at those and I'll, they, they usually won't be reviews, but I'll yep. keep an eye on them. And that's how There's I, this app I just started using called Talk. You heard of it? No. T-O-C-K. I'll link it below. And it's like a bougie version of the infatuation LinkedIn at a baby. And so what it is, is it's, it's, it's like you, it's all like mostly farm to table or niche restaurants. And they all have been like gone through review process to like make it onto the app. Huh. And it's all like the reviews on there are from people that care. And it's New York restaurants also. It's New York. I have it in Seattle, um, New York, Seattle, it's it like out. 30 major cities. But the cool thing is they also do delivery for them. So it was actually like, it became popular during covid because there were places like canlis in seattle i don't know if you've been there or not um, i'm not sure i don't think so yeah so canlis could be the for people that don't know it could be like the best restaurant in seattle um tasting menu only but during covid they obviously were strapped for everything so what they wanted to do is they want to create a system that would allow their suppliers to stay in business and they're not be able to not have to fire anyone so they did as they did um, like home meals, which is very common. They also did like CSA boxes. They like repackaged mm. the the fresh produce they got yeah. as CSA. But th- this was the app that catalyzed that. Um, and now it's just turned into like just a really nice, everything I've tried in there has been good. So I don't know. Huh. I, think, I think it might be like. The, I have to look it up. Yeah. yeah that's I'll, not, I'll it's it's almost as if someone gave you their curated restaurant list that yeah. they had approved. And I'm also like, I'm a snob when it comes to design. So the app is just really you, you just enjoy like every time I'm on Yelp, I want to throw my phone against the wall. Yeah. It's like bright yet red and the font is off and the pictures are terrible. It's like, imagine that that was just like a, a designed and curated experience. I wonder if the restaurant that we're going to tonight is on talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, that's the next question I ask. So the, the biggest, whenever I, I go on a lot of dates, right. Yeah. Um, I've been single for a year now using like apps mainly. So I meet people, especially in Seattle. Cause it's like Seattle COVID, it's pretty much non-existent right now. Yeah. Um, I find there's like a very strong polarization between people who uh, look at the menu before they get the restaurant. Oh yeah. Or just send it. Which person are you? Well, if I've been to the restaurant before, I don't typically look at the menu, but if I'm, wait, what do you mean by just send it? Like I, some people will be like, send me the menu, be like, Hey, check this out. I'll be like, I'll be able to find something I like anywhere. That's my general thesis on food. Okay. And so I'm guess I guess the way I'm saying is that if some if 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 you're if I was just like hey Heath we're gonna go have dinner at X Y Z in Seattle, like would you ever not look at the menu before you went? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. If like a friend had picked it out, I yeah. would definitely trust them. Yeah. If I'm the one picking it out, then I will definitely make sure I look at the menu because and I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm very sensitive to food being appropriate for everyone who's coming that's fair you know so i always want to make sure everyone will feel comfortable so and like the price is right and all that stuff so for sure i think i asked that question like let's go here it was more unless i'm really bored at work yeah (laughs) i I guess the question is more of (laughs) not to approve it or not but to see what you're gonna get no because i'm one of those people who likes to have five different options lined up that I yes. might want to make an in-the-moment decision no, that's, based on that, exactly that, And that was the question I was asking, right? <laughs> uh, based on exactly what I'm feeling and then get like jealous of what someone else ordered. Really, I just prefer tasting menus so I can mm-hmm. try everything. everything yeah. <laughs> well, I only asked the question because like I've, I've been on dates or out with friends 
where, I, where I'm sitting down, look at the menu. They'd be like, it's like, oh, I picked out what I wanted four days ago. It's like, cool. Why no. not? Why, why do, like, what about specials? What about like, like yeah. season? Like if it's raining that day or if it's sunny that day, I'm going to want something different each time. Oh yeah, for sure. It's like what mood you're in, yeah. how much you had for the last meal to yeah, eat. Yeah, totally. There's a lot of factors. Unless yeah. it's like that place <laughs> that I've been trying to go to. Um, for sure. It's like, I want to try this dish at this restaurant. Yeah. Also, Isaiah just texted me and said he uses talk. He made our Noma reservation on talk. There you go. Thanks, Isaiah. Which was postponed because of COVID. But yeah. Someday. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's It has places like French Laundry. And got it, got like, um, that's actually, so my mom, my mom turned 60 in 2023 and that's like my, and this is also a good test to see if she said she listens to my podcast, but I never know. So this <laughs> is a good test. It's like, I've told my mom, like, we're going to go to French laundry for 60th. She's always wanted to go. Um, and she's like a big fan of all of the New York city three stars. She's been all of them through yeah. like different business things or with family or friends. So, but she's just like, she's always loved like Napa and, um, What's the guy? I always forget his name. Thomas, Thomas Keller. Yeah, Thomas Keller. Like he's such a fascinating human being. We were just at his restaurant in Nantucket, and he's in Nantucket. He was at the restaurant. Wow. What what restaurant is that in Nantucket? A company in the Cauldron. Is it good? It's amazing. Can I tell you a secret? Yeah. I've never been in Nantucket, <laughs> and I grew <laughs> up in Massachusetts. Yeah, I and I, I grew up on the South Shore, Massachusetts, and I never been in Nantucket. That is not acceptable. Yeah. It's pretty. It's a pretty chill place. Well, I feel like growing up in Hingham, and I'm sure you know some kids from Hingham because it's Hingham. Um, probably. <laughs> Every everyone and their mother had a, had a house in, in Nantucket, and yeah. all the, like everyone had a Jeep Wrangler with a sticker that said "Ack" on the back. Oh yeah. That's... It was like quintessential Massachusetts For sure. rich kid. Right. The Jeep Wrangler. Yeah. We didn't have one because my mom thought they were unsafe because the tops they are unsafe. were made out of fabric as opposed to metal. So we had a Jeep Cherokee. There's a real safety theme between <laughs> Sarah Goldman, your mother, uh, that I'm sensing. And I'm also now just realizing that Megan is your mom. Uh, Some aspects. Yeah, definitely a lot of overlap aspects yes. for and, sure. And you're a lot like your dad. I guess so. Maybe I'm yeah. a hybrid. Aaron and I are very similar. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, <laughs> and those don't know. There's like a. It's four, three years and four years the separation. Uh, three years and then seven. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you were a f- senior when Megan was a freshman. Exactly. Yeah. Which and is then so Aaron was. So were Aaron and Megan there at the same time too? No. They oh, didn't. so it's seven years from Megan. From me. From me. From you. Okay, yeah. Cool. So it's three then four. Yeah. Ex- oh, Got sorry. It. That's what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. Yes, you're right. The yeah. First yeah. <laughs> I was like seven. I was like, I don't think Aaron's that young. No, that, no. that would make Aaron. Like, just starting college. Yeah, and she's about to finish. She's about to finish. Yeah. Nice. What is how? What is uh, the Aaron Goldman uh, college review during COVID like? She's having more fun than at college than she was having at home. So that's fair. That's that she was having at home when she was quarantining with my parents and literally not leaving and not and seeing tassel. any friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But it's Williams is pretty strict. They're oh sure yeah in pods of people that they're allowed to see based on where they're living and they can't socialize outside those pods or leave the campus at all and they're getting tested twice a week that's insane that's that's gen that's, the pods is, are generous um and it's wild because my stepmother works at scarsdale schools in, in westchester oh yeah which is like one of the nicest school districts in the country and i asked her about testing and she's like no they're not testing anyone that's, that's crazy. Wow. That, and, that, and I started asking around to like my school district, Massachusetts, and like n- no under colleges I know are testing. And most kids at colleges I know are not testing. So like the only schools I now know that are testing are like, you're not even Harvard. Well, Harvard's not even a person, right? But 
Like Williams is testing and then UVA is testing. And then everyone else I've asked is not testing. Wow. <laughs> Which is wild. Yeah. I mean, I'm not too knowledgeable about who's testing, who's not, but I think Williams is doing a pretty good job because I think cases there are pretty low. Yeah. Low. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing where if someone does test positive then they just have to quarantine in their own room. I and the, think the pod so. whole pod quarantine is probably, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. Luckily she hasn't crossed that path yet, but yeah. she's, I think she's having a, a good time. That sounds better than most she's, people I know that are stuck somewhere. Yes. I yeah. think that she's, she, you know, she's with her friends. Yeah. She is taking classes. Is she also in her major? She's a art history and practice. So she's Got half it. art history, half studio. And then she's also a bio major. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So she's double majoring. Yes. Double majoring. Got it. Kind of like triple majoring studio art, art history. I guess and that's too. Yeah. Bio. What's the, what's the intersection between bio and art? I think she just likes both. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Is Megan she pre-med? Did that all. Megan. Uh, no, not pre-med. Yeah. Yep. That makes a difference. Uh, my dad was bio and Stuart. So huh. That's really fun cool. Thing. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving on that. So what were we talking about? Um, ordering adventures, travel. When is the last time you traveled anyways? Well, we went to Nantucket last yep. week right after we got engaged yeah and then like it's very cool anywhere farther than new york new york new england no over labor day we went to ithaca yeah where i'd say i went to college cornell yep. with a bunch of his college friends which was just like mm-hmm. so much fun I forgot he went to cornell yeah, Lake weekend sense. but no we haven't that's kind of the furthest we've gone for sure we we're supposed to go to Copenhagen but that was that trip was pushed clearly canceled that was like height of COVID yeah. yeah I I've had a few trips canceled I've still been doing some domestic travel but with like lots of testing and friends that are smart about it yeah and it's I live in Seattle my parents are here in Boston so I do try to see them um, for sure luckily yeah. you can drive home mm-hmm. although I feel like your mom is the kind of person that still makes you have dinner in the other room <laughs> Well, I love you, Sarah. Just we quarantined <laughs> before seeing them in Nantucket, Smart. so we got to like nice. hug them for the first time since yeah. uh, February, which is so nice. But yeah, sure, when we've yeah. seen them outside of that, we have had socially distant meals outside. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, but before Thanksgiving, we'll probably quarantine again so we can have a proper Thanksgiving meal with them Smart. and get tested. Smart. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the way to do it. Um, so. So let's start wrapping things up because you don't have a dinner reservation. Um, I usually ask, I finish these podcasts by asking a series of questions and your answers can be as short or as long as you want. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm right? excited. Um, if you had a billion dollars that you couldn't spend on yourself, what problem would you help and try solve? Help and try to solve. COVID right now. COVID? Yeah. What would you do? money for a vaccine yeah makes sense so you can you, and and with with the intent to be getting things closer to back to reality and saving as many people mm-hmm. from potentially dying from yeah a useless disease yeah. exactly like that um is there a story that your family or parents like to tell about you Ooh. and what um, is the story <laughs> yes they have a lot of embarrassing stories that they like to tell about me one of them is it's mostly stories of me freaking out under extreme stress (laughs) you stressed what (laughs) one of them was junior in high school where i had a 
crazy AP US history teacher, which mm-hmm. looking back, it's also funny, but at the time <laughs> it felt very serious. Yeah. And he, now it's like, that. he liked to, his name was Dr. Van Atta and he liked to, he, um, his hero was Teddy Roosevelt and he dressed like Teddy Roosevelt with the glasses and the mustache that down sounds to the amazing. coat. And he made all of his juniors basically role play historical figures from the u.s civil war for an entire week and so in class you had to talk like them and you actually had to wear your costumes all day long and so like to all of your other classes math class english class you'd have to wear your historical outfit so everyone would knew know who was in dr van adda's class and i was this woman named mary shelley or something who I was assigned and she actually was very uninteresting. She was like a plantation owner's wife. And I was like, why the heck am I this woman? But I had to wear a hoop dress, <laughs> which is hot tip impossible to sit down in yeah. and impossible to wear a backpack with because it's like this yeah. huge hoop dress. And one day I was like trying to put my hoop dress on and I was late to work and the hoop dress was getting like caught in the door. And I just had a complete freak out where I just like stamped my feet and started crying in the hoop dress. And my family thinks it's hilarious for some reason. Like to tell I think this story. It's and then after that, on the way to school, half of my hoop dress was caught in the door and was flapping out the door on the way to school. But no one knew. But apparently people like saw us driving to school with my dress partly stuck in the door but it was so large that i couldn't tell that it was like half closed the door yeah wow they think it's really funny i think this is really funny <laughs> there any pictures uh probably some pictures of me dressed up like this woman which are okay. ridiculous i need to but... ask your parents about those yeah. if i can get them in time i'll i'll post it with this oh my god uh, <laughs> um if you could send a single push notification to everyone's phone in a given area where would it be and what would it say Oh, wow. Um, It would definitely be in the New York City area. And it would probably be... Leaving, like, politics... Or, like, leaving... You I don't want the, it to be the, practical. I don't want yeah. it to be practical because I feel like I would make some message about not voting for Trump <laughs> in a swing state. But yeah. leaving that aside... Um, Do you consider New York a swing state? No. Okay. Yeah. Um, But <laughs> for, it would be sorry. in New York City and it would be, like, some sort of message a message of positivity like everything's gonna be okay or something like that that'll make everyone smile and feel warm and fuzzy and confused like where did this come from yeah i i I was thinking about that and the only thing that came to my head when i was when you were thinking about that through is like would it be nice if someone sent a message like imagine your your like great-grandmother could text it was like here is my cookie recipe like please enjoy something just like so like benign but so heartwarming (laughs) yeah maybe the picture of like an old granny holding cookies i don't know i'm going on a tangent um is there something that you believe in that most don't? Hmm. Like, what are you contrarian on? Ooh, good question. Um, I'm thinking about this one. Yeah, take your time. Mm. We can come back to it, too, if you want. 
I know yeah. you're a single channel thinker. So you're not gonna be able to let this go until you figure come with a I good know. response. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think if there's something that I'm contrary on. I guess I feel like when it comes to restaurants, yeah, I don't necessarily I don't necessarily care about ambiance. So I'm yeah. really happy going to a complete hole in the wall that has amazing food that's like in a really out of the way spot. In fact, yeah. I sometimes enjoy that. Um, I don't know if that's contrarian, but I feel like a lot of my friends no, care how cute is. a restaurant is. Yeah. I do for certain occasions if I like, for dates. example, <laughs> dates or like <laughs> we're looking oh for wedding spots, like totally. maybe having a, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah. if it's just like me going out for fun, is I'm, it photogenic? I'm not, I don't, I don't care about that. I just want yeah. a food that tastes really good. Yeah. I, I, I think I will, I will ditto and echo that. And the fact that like some of the best meals I've ever had have been in basically places with like plastic Walmart chairs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I've I've dated people and I've been with people on travel, especially when um, it like they're like, "Ew, this place is disgusting," and I'm just like more excited than anything else to be at this place, like eating. Um, yeah. Luckily, my mom and my sister are very much like you and I as well in the same thing. Like when you're in Easter Island, like you had like the freshest crudo, and they would make like fresh ceviche from this fish mm-hmm. that was like in the ocean 20 minutes ago, and like to everyone else, it'd be like you're eating on like kid size walmart plastic chairs i can't tell if that's a cop-out answer because like yeah different tv shows have made have popularized the idea of yeah you know, anthony bourdain yeah exactly yeah, yeah he's kind of romanticized it so i can't tell if that's like a cop-out answer but i yeah that's definitely a thing you were a big fan of his too right yeah yeah for sure um not to get dark for a second but like how did his passing affect you personally um if it did I feel like it just it just felt like a shock and I was really sad about it. Yeah. And I feel like um He did a lot for food. You kind of just take institutional characters like that for granted and then Totally, yeah. realize that they are they don't have to be there forever. Yeah. Um I remembered I, I think that that's a good point, the institutionalization of, of like people. And I think that they're the kind of people that feel like monuments to certain ideas. Yeah. Uh, like when Steve Jobs died I felt the same way. It felt like this per how it can't be gone. Like here's a dude that literally invented modern technology, yeah. so to speak. Um, not invented, but popularized. And uh, Andy Bernie was the same way. I was like, I hadn't felt that way until and since Jobs had I died. Know. Yeah. Every time I see that, like anything, any parts unknown on YouTube, like that's how I, that's how I do my shit. Is like whenever I, when I was going to Japan and Korea, like I watched his every episode he had on Japan. As by the way, it's like I will link it below. But uh, Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown, um, with Masa in Japan is probably one of the best mm. episodes because um, they're just like in the backcountry in tea houses, yeah. and eating oysters the size of my face. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm more of a small oyster person, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm I'm a one gulp oyster person, so to speak. Um, I I'll I'll show you a picture after this, but I was in Hokkaido, which is in the north, and the oyster is the size of my hand. Oh and God. it was like a four biter and oh I God. wasn't a fan of that. <laughs> I don't like biting into the oyster. I would oyster. not be a fan of that either. <laughs> the taste is amazing, but the biting. But maybe it's just because I'm not, I don't know it. So that's fair. How am I supposed to, how yeah. am I supposed sea to Sea urchin is magical though. We'll yeah. say that. Oh um, I'm sure you've had that. Um, and then to, to kind of set, set this one off, um, any advice for your like future grandchildren's generation? Like if your My future, if your future grandchildren were to listen to this podcast, what would their advice be? What would your advice to oh, them be? Oh, sorry. Um, yeah. Got it. Probably my advice to them would be 
work hard but also don't stress out too much if you work hard you'll get where you want probably 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 yeah, yeah. i'm a big believer that if, if if you really want something if you keep working at it eventually you one of two things will happen you will get it and realize you enjoy it or realize you hate it or along the way you'll find something else you love doing yeah yeah i mean it's hard to tell someone to yeah. work hard but i feel like it's pretty important to be driven so i hope that my kids and grandkids are driven for sure and that i raise uh, yeah. people in an environment that fosters that kind of thinking mm-hmm. and um, openness and i think yeah. one of their good mentors always said this but he basically said um you want to get to a place in life where if you were to somehow come back come back from the future and talk to your past self they would be super surprised but stoked yeah, that's a good, that's such a good point. I yeah. love that. Because yeah. you want to be like, because the worst thing would be like, ah, that sounds about right. That, that sounds terrible. Yeah, right. You want to be like, really? That's so cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So follow your dreams, kids. Is, is what we have to say. Is there anything you want to um, mention, talk about that we didn't talk about? I feel like we covered. I feel like we covered a lot of ground in this amount of time. So no, just thank you for having me on. Yeah. Any, uh, any advice ex- for, um, I just asked that question for your grandchildren, but I guess, I guess my question is for me, if someone is, is listening to this and is immediately like, okay, I'm going to go and cook something tonight. Yeah. Right. What is the first thing they should think about? Uh, look what you have in your fridge. Yeah. Um, if you have any pasta, I love doing like a, fancy you can basically turn most things into your fridge into a fancy pasta topping or sauce yeah i feel like that's always my back pocket like yep you have an egg you have pasta you can make like a like a sick creamy pasta with that or yeah. like you if you know how <laughs> or follow yeah. me yeah yeah you have yeah. some broccoli you can like roast it up and use it as a topping for sure like i'm i feel like if you have a few things in your pantry and fridge, you can make a lot of things yep. very easily and very quickly. And also like work your freezer. <laughs> yes. And I think that that goes to a question where it's just like, I think about this often where some people say like they're like not into cooking or like not into food. And I usually come to this point where it's like, it's either because they haven't experienced enough food yet or they actually haven't gained enough skills to enjoy cooking. Yeah, I would, I'd agree totally. Or like they haven't, cool eaten out that much and yeah. seen what's out there i guess there are people who like eating out but not cooking but for sure yeah i i had my two roommates in college were super picky eaters like from the south yeah super sheltered and my biggest thing was just like trying to get them to try different things for sure uh and even like you know getting them to eat like salmon was like a crazy thing oh my God. and so like i'm still rural arizona you know that so um but yeah so i, I guess the thing is like do what scares you if you have a question about it use the internet it's a great source. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I think cooking is a skill that everyone should have personally. I know you're in the same For boat. sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Robbie. I'm really hungry. Me too. <laughs> all right. Okay. Bye. Bye. I hope you very much all enjoyed this conversation between myself and Heath Goldman. You can find Heath online and social at Heath feasts or type in heath goldman spelt the way you think it's spelt you can find me online at rob auchincloss or rob i hope you all have a wonderful day goodbye